My dear, that's a big brain you have. Uh, where'd you get that brain? Was it from? Are you talking to Morbius? me? I. Well, you are dear, aren't you? You think I have a big brain? Oh, I have something. I have sad, bad news for you. Oh no! <laughs> what? It's almost like my brain. It's the got... brain of Morbius. That's what <laughs> it's. Oh my god! It's the brain of Morbius. Episode eighty-four. Oh god! It, uh, what the fuck is Morbius, and why does he have a brain, dear? Uh, you want to find out? I want to find out. I mean, you. I want to know if you actually wrote down what he is. I mean, he's a criminal that assaulted, I believe, the Time Lords way back when. And they basically, like, tore him apart and sent him to all ends of the universe. Kinda. You can explain what what, what happened in the episode, though. How is that that not right? (laughs) Okay, also he's a walking testicle. I said it's kind of right. Um... We see a bug walking around. Totally not a human. It's a bug. Uh, and we also see a man with a hook hand car door who thinks, uh, who I think kills the bug. Cut to the man with the bad haircut who's sculpting and hook door, hand car door, comes in with the bug's head. And the man's like, protect the skull. We need it for some reason. And then the TARDIS shows up and the doctor's angry and someone left. Someone's fucking with the TARDIS and it's off course. And he thinks it's the Time Lords. Sarah thinks it's the TARDIS. So the doctor has a seat, and Sarah goes to look at something off screen. It's apparently an ejection bubble slash space parachute. Also, they look and find a fuck ton of spaceships and some dead bodies. Doctor doesn't really care, likes his yo-yo, but when Sarah finds the dead body and screams, he's like, oh, I'm going to go over there now. Everybody's dead after the crash, right? (laughs) And the doctor realizes that actually he's been around here before. And they see a building in the distance, and then it rains. Cut to a woman for, like, half a second, and then cut to a man experimenting on the bug head. And lights go out, and we gotta ask Igor, Igor, the gr- to, to get the lights. Cut back to a group of women who are very angry and confused how there are people here. And they also have the elixir of life, by the way, just so you know. Also, the flame of life, which makes the elixir of life, is dying. It's been dying for a while, and with it, you know, the elixir is going as well. Uh, also, they share the elixir with the Time Lords, by the way, so everything is going to shit. Igor has been looking yep. for his arm that has been taken from him, which was taken uh, by Frank and Badcut. And then the doctor is at the door and the Frankenstein is excited that humans are here, but please take wine and food and, and warm, doctor. And the doctor's like, hi, I recognize that head. And Frankenstein is like, no, he's not. He's not that guy. Don't worry about it. Also, dude, there's this headless body down here. So like, what's up with that? And then Igor brings up some food and they ask about the arm and he lies about the arm. Back at the ladies, (laughs) they're chanting about fire and a pendant shows them that the TARDIS is on the planet. Now they're going to use their power to bring the TARDIS here while chanting more about fire. Praise the sun. Now, everyone thinks that the Doctor is here to steal the elixir. The Doctor is on their level of mind power, though, so they can't fight him, really. The Doctor brings back, brings up the cult of Mobius, and Sarah almost gets killed for a second. And then the fire ladies are all oh, watching okay. the Doctor and Sarah, uh, not, who, who is not drinking, because Sarah is not drinking the wine secretly, uh, while wind does some stuff in the room and blows things around, he goes, it's the fire ladies. And Frankenstein is like, the fuck you know about that? 
And then he recognizes that that head was a Time Lord and freaks out because Mobius, it's Mobius, and passes out. Sarah fake passes out, and then they really want to steal the doctor's head and murder Sarah, but he's like, take the fucking doctor and don't kill Sarah right now, this is more important. Sarah then just wakes up and runs off. We can't operate like this, says Frankenstein, and we need a light, so go repair the generators first. But then the fire ladies teleport to the doctor the doctor's body like away and sarah's like sneaking around finds a blanket that's moving it's really weird and it really actually just honestly looks like a headless testicle and that's the yeah it does look a bit like this yes it does it's it's not the most phallic of the doctor he gets Mm -hmm. and honestly it's not as phallic as it can be um so the brain of morbius i mean mobius i mean morbius i mean morbius i mean Morbius. Uh, Morbius strip. Important episode. Very important episode for a lot of reasons. Some lore, some just creative and production-wise. One of my favorite uh, little production notes about this is that uh, due to the low budget, uh, they could only afford one professional dancer. Uh, (laughs) So in the scenes where there's like dancing around stuff, there's Mm -hmm. only one professional dancer and then the rest is just copying her and just trying to Trying basically, they they were like, okay, we can only find one dancer. The rest will just find actresses that have danced before. Uh-huh. So they so it won't be too hard for them. Uh, <laughs> uh. So the plot of this episode kicks off technically uh, when a religious fanatic looks up and makes eye contact with the doctor and becomes infatuated with his face. Uh, this is peculiarly simple. Simp, simp, oh my god, my brain is not connecting words to brain mm-hmm. right now. This is similar to a formative experience that Tom Baker recounts in his autobiography, where as a monk forbidden to look at faces, he'd accidentally glance up to see another novice and become infatuated with his face. Uh-huh. Uh, which, I mean, if, if it's if it's the sort of thing of, like, you are forbidden to look at people... It's the sort of thing of like if you accidentally look at someone, it's like, oh my god, that's what a person looks like. Holy shit, this is this is so weird. Um, I mean, yeah, I can see that. I can understand. Uh, immediately, some of you, if, if I mean, even if you're just listening, will probably be able to pick up on the the fact that this episode is very much a homage to Frankenstein. Uh, oh, both you don't the say. scientist and the monster. Uh, it gets a little bit more literal later on. Which is funny, because Mary Shelley herself uh, shows up technically twice within Doctor Who, once as a companion of the Eighth Doctor, who travels with him, uh, and the other in the actual TV series with Thirteenth Doctor in one of the only good Thirteenth Doctor episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> whoops. Oh, we're not there yet. We, we, we actually figured out... Uh, um, uh, it'll, it, we're not going to get to the new series of Doctor Who until, like, March of 2023. 2023 so uh good luck getting there in time um but that's the 60th anniversary so hey there's some stuff planned there's a movie apparently Uh well a special i guess is better accurate um but (laughs) yes a lot of a lot of stuff on the production was also uh simply spray painted uh which we notice very clearly with uh the, the, the chamber to the sacred Flame. No. Uh, for the Sisterhood of Khan. 
No! Uh, also, other things that were spray-painted include, like, the little decorative stuff that's on Marin's costume. Like, they were basically just, like, plastic spoons that were spray-painted gold, which, once you've known that, you look at it and it's pretty fucking funny. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what happens in the next part, dear? Uh, well, Sarah runs away, and Frankenstein... Frankenstein? Frankenstein? How would you like me to pronounce it? Uh, Soren? Frank and Igor uh, come in and realize what's <laughs> happening and want to know where the doctor is. Frank is pissy at everyone and he's got to get the doctor back. Sarah, of course, overhears this conversation, sneaks out. Doctor's with the sisters, very confused, but now he's at flame knife point. Uh, and when I say flame knife point, I mean their knives are shaped like flames. Uh, the doctor doesn't really know Isn't if- Isn't that, that the name of that character from Undertale? Flame, flame knife point. Flame knife point. Yeah, I think so. The is one that... that's in the tavern. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, flame knife point. Name? Yeah, uh, he doesn't really know if the time lords got him here, but then he realizes that he's being killed soon, so that sucks. He has no clue about the elixir life. Realizes that Morbius was sort of there. He felt his mind touch his, so he thinks he's alive. And the older is there's like, stop being a shit bro. I'm really old. Stop. Frank and Igor are wondering what the sisters are doing, how to save the doctor's head. Doctor gets angry, saying, hey, we helped you. Why do you hate the Time Lords? And then they t- tell him about, like, the flame of uh, life. It's a subterranean thing, though, so it shouldn't go out anytime soon. But then it's summarized, so it's time to die. They do a fire dance. Frank and Igor uh, Igor listen and can't rush in to stop it, but they rush in anyway. Frank comes in and, go- and the girls go, wow, wow, you should die. Igor gets ring attacked and then frank and the asks for the doctor's head and they go fuck off we know what you're up to while sarah nearly nearby cuts the rope of the doctor so he could escape so now to kill the doctor and they set all the sticks on fire and sarah escapes with the doctor frank and uh igor go home and have a hissy fit making (laughs) igor think he nearly killed frank so he offers to give him back his arm in order to survive because again he took his arm the Doctor and Sarah have gotten out, but Sarah is having trouble seeing right now for some reason. Cut to Morbius berating Frank for not doing good enough from his testicle body slash brain in a jar. You're never good enough to do good. You're not as good as your brother. You could have been as your good as your brother. Your cousin would have found me a body. Your, your cousin would have been married by now and found me a body. What is this? I got five grandchildren on the other side and you got your nothing. Your cousin's doing amazing. Your cousin's a doctor. Anyway. So, I heard your cousin... <laughs> Discovered a new science. A new science. <laughs> so he offers to give him back his arm in order to survive. Doctor and Sarah have gotten out. Sarah's having trouble seeing. Morbius is berating Frank. Igor is upset about the fact that the doctor and Sarah came back. Frank is like, oh, and then and yes, I literally wrote like O oh, face emoji. The doctor wants Frank <gasps> to imagine examine Sarah's eyes, so they need to go to the lab. In the lab, the doctor imagine Sarah's eyes. Yes. And sees the testicles for a minute, and they escort Sarah away, and they go, hey, she's completely blind, her eyes are fucked up, you'd need the elixir of life. And while being left alone, Sarah hears the weird voice of some guy downstairs, Morbius. Sarah has to come down here and, like, can't see anything, and she's touching stuff, and she finds a brain in a jar while it screams at her. That That's it. <laughs> that's literally it. Brain in a jar. We've never seen that before in Doctor Who. Never. Uh, so, this Very story... Very original. 
as we've stated, Frankenstein. But Frankenstein. This story has gone it went through a lot of phases of what it actually was. So initially, Terence Dix, as if you remember the script editor uh, for the previous era, uh, he originally wrote the story, and uh, the original concept of it was meant to be an inversion of Frankenstein, uh, in which the creature's creator would be the inhumane monster, or the inhuman monster, sorry, and the final form of Morbius would be a perfect human. In you know, the the scientist is an alien and the monster is human. Uh like that Twilight Zone episode, basically. Uh, spoilers, but... <laughs> uh, th- uh, however, they judged it to be impractical, often uh, mainly for economical reasons. Uh, though it's got to be said that a story in which the monsters revealed at the start of episode one and the thing created in the lab turns out to be an ordinary-looking human is a bit of a non-start, dramatically speaking. I kind of disagree. I feel like you could have done something interesting with it. I mean, the Twilight Zone did. Uh, spoilers, again. Um... <laughs> Would it surprise uh, but... <laughs> you to know that I actually prefer the Twilight Zone over this? They're completely different things. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, science fiction, science fantasy style writing. Well, that's that. That's kind of the difference. Like, <laughs> the Twilight Zone is a, a horror short vignette with sci-fi elements some uh heavily focus on sci-fi and some uh were written direct like especially the 60s ones were written by actual sci-fi writers if i remember right um but uh this is more childhood family adventure with morals in a science fiction setting like his because remember the original premise of the entire show was uh an old guy traveling around with some kids uh, and, like, they go to, like, you know, the past and teach kids about history, that sort of thing. Yeah. Like, it meant to be so, sort of educational. And that could have sort of evolved to, well, it's actually better to just do something that's entertaining and it's sort of like, okay, well, you get to certain areas where people are like, okay, well, to be entertaining, I want to scare people or, like, I want to I want to have messages with stuff that will stick with people. Like, whereas the Twilight Zone is all about sort of messaging, like, the entire point of the stories is that they have tight, short stories that are self-contained and are entirely about, like, timely messages, essentially, and also just, you know, some great horror shorts. Mm. Uh, I've never seen the 80s version of the Twilight Zone, and I've barely seen any of the modern Twilight Zone, the Jordan Beer one. I've heard not too many good things about it. I've heard it is too direct and uh, it takes the idea of subtlety and uh, throws it out the window. Um, which, with something like science fiction and horror, you don't really want to get rid of subtlety because mm-hmm. it makes it boring. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, as script editor for the current era, uh, Robert Holmes stepped in to drastically restructure the script, uh, even though Terence Dix was really pissed off that he did. Uh, during an angry telephone conversation, Dix disowned the story and told Holmes to broadcast it under some bland pseudonym. Uh, the legend holds that when the story was shown and Dix saw the name Holmes that had chosen, he burst out laughing and therefore made his peace. Uh, if you don't know what name he chose, uh, the name he chose was Robin Bland. <laughs> hmm. So I was like, I don't know, make my name, I don't know, just something bland or like, oh, fucking whatever. I was like, oh, okay, he literally... <laughs> Took it literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, which, you know, I mean, that's good. Uh, another thing also is, uh, this is one of the only, if not the only, I think, uh, shot episode for the year of the series that was studio bound only. Uh, there was no, uh, on, on location shots. There was no film outside of a studio. It was all studio, maybe, uh, back to the very early sixties with that. Um, which the director was like, come on, what? No. Uh, but they kind of had to do it because the low budget and also uh, they didn't really have much lead-in time, especially with the whole script being completely rewritten, essentially. Uh, Philip Hinchcliffe left the production unit manager in charge while he went on holiday like a week later, and then a whole people went off to like go on different things. So it was like no one was really around to like give them time. So I was like, oh god, we have like 36 days to do everything now, and it's like, yeah. this is not enough to have like on location, so it's all studio sets. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yes, this, this, the intention of, uh, Frankenstein, but in reverse, in flipped on its head, is, was the entire point of this, but it got turned into something that very much it stands in contrast with other episodes of Doctor Who, some of which we've actually seen, and serve as, like, a really good example of, um, telling a similar story, or or a story with similar elements to a previous story, but it's kind of updated for the new era, in a sense. Uh, I'll talk about it a bit more in the next part, though. What happened in the next part, dear? Uh, well, Shara gets shoved out of the room, and Frank goes, please listen, we gotta use this head, uh, we really need to do it, and the brain's just very angry. But the doctor is being sent into a trap, and Sarah now knows that, and locks Frank in with the brain, cut to the fire sisters drinking what's left of the elixir, Frank has sent a letter saying the doctor is headed this way, somehow it gets there before Sarah, Sarah, and the doctor, nearly walks off a cliff, uh, Sarah nearly walks the cliff, trying to help the doctor. Doctor asks for the elixir, explains, and realizes that Sarah is actually going to recover. But then why the fuck is the doctor here if not to steal the fucking elixir? We re-mention Morbius, and we reiterate how bad he is, and how he is very, 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 very dead. And then the doctor also mentions that the crashed spaceships and stuff, but the girls seem to know nothing about it. Too bad Sarah is caught by hookhand Cardor. Igor, who realizes she's pretty and doesn't want to kill her. So the doctor wants to help the fire girls with their flame problem, but when they check on it, it's even lower. And then the doctor mentions that immortal immortality fucks people up and how nothing can make progress if you don't die. So he lights a firecracker, throws it in, kills the flame. Uh, so it's time for him to die again, but then suddenly <laughs> the flame is huge again and there was an explosion and it was fixed and it was just a whole lot of soot, apparently. Sarah gets Shibari tied up while Frank gets angry about the testicle. <laughs> That's a quote out of context that is fantastic, in my opinion. Um, Do you remember the context? No. Okay, so, again, just like last episode, we're kind of recording the commentary and the episode a week apart because Dear had to vomit again. Yeah. Um, so, I'll, I'll pick up because I remember what happens. Uh, so, Dia sa- says that uh, Sarah's Shibari tied up. We said that because she's tied to, she's strapped to a table, and the way she's strapped to a table is using rope, and it's like 
small thin rope and there's two two lines of it around her and which is like basically like it looks like shibari rope and like the way that someone would tie it around someone um and (laughs) the thing is she's still blind and frankenstein okay we'll just keep calling him frankenstein uh is like uh hey uh stay here essentially like uh, you're gonna you're gonna help me and just in the corner of the room is uh uh the brain and the mm. new body okay so because he's like i need your help because yeah. wait did no did, we're did about to kill get there. his assistant we're about to get there okay spoilers um, for the next so, two seconds so we cut sarah free from her shabar because she's going to be forced to help with surgery igor is running through the halls the sisters are marching on and the surgery went well probably because it moves when stimulated the brain wakes up and frank finds the doctor's body left in his kitchen while sarah is being snuck up behind by the testicle and then that there you go that's that's that hole there you go <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing about the fucking concept of Sarah just in Shibari and like everyone walking in, just like, I'm sorry, what, what, what's going on here? Yeah. Um. But few things. Uh, first of all, uh, Cynthia Grenville, who played Marin, the leader of the. The leader of the bunch, uh, the the sisterhood of Khan, uh, uh, said that uh, in an interview uh, that Tom Baker nearly got set on fire during the stunt where um, he was meant to be not not when he's throwing the 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 soot you know the getting rid of the soot in the in the fire essentially but mm-hmm. when he's tied up to a funeral pyre um, and it's meant to be set alight. Um, the BBC effects department heavily fireproofed everything in the pyre, but the flames shot up in a massive columns instead of creeping around in a circle around the doctor's feet like they were supposed to. Um, you can hear it in the episode. If 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 she hadn't broken character and yelled at Tom to jump until he did, uh, he would have seriously been injured. Like he would have been fucking burned. Yeah. Uh, the fire brigade had to be called in between takes. Uh, if you watch the sequence, you'll notice later shots of the pyre are less fiery than longer, earlier shots of the Doctor yeah. on it. Uh, especially shots that, like, feature close-ups, close-ups of him. Uh, which, yeah, that... Considering the, the, the time constraint to do all of this, it makes a lot of sense that they nearly had an accident that would have killed their fucking lead actor. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, you don't want to do that most of the time. Most of the time. Uh... <laughs> So, anyway, uh, this episode, a lot of it comes from the fear of, like, hybrid, hybridity, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, Morbius has required a body made of parts of other beings. Why is this horrible? Because it crosses our boundaries of the self, uh, especially at the time. We sort of brought up the effects of 70s body horror in the Ark in Space, if you remember that one, dear, the one with the Wirren. The giant space bugs that uh, slithered around, and if you got touched or attacked by one of them, uh-huh. you would slowly... Well, you wouldn't turn into it. What would happen is uh, it laid eggs in you, and then its uh, larvae hatched and would eat you from the inside and absorb your memories and everything mm. about you. Um, which is horrifying and is, you know, classic body horror type shit. Yeah. Uh so we've already explored that sort of thing 
this one is a lot more about kind of updating Frankenstein in a way. Because the, the, the original readers of Frankenstein didn't live in a world where organ transplants were really a, a palpable issue. Uh, but in this era, like, you know, transplants were more an actual thing. So it's like, if Ark in Space was like a, a story using body horror that's kind of the prelude to Alien, then this episode, in that sense, is sort of using body horror as a prelude to, like, all of the medical horror dramas of, like, the 70s and 80s. Like, uh, your, your, your sort of coma. Like, that sort of thing of, like, uh-huh. stark terror, where, like, the horror comes from, like, Medical science is terrifying, and the human body is a mystery and terrifying. Uh, like that sort of dumb. thing. Of like things can go wrong. Gonna be real. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 also the sort of thing of like possession of the body by someone else's mind is like kind of bad in Doctor Who terms. So a body to be made possessed by someone else is like you know someone who's been disembodied is also somehow wrong. Uh, but that comes into question. Uh, however, the most egregious thing that the episode kind of holds on is the crossing over from animal to human. Uh, there were whole lines in an ep- in episode one that are completely lifted from H.G. Wells' The Island of Dr. Moreau, uh, which most will probably remember as that one really good Treehouse of Horror episode in The Simpsons where, it- <laughs> where-, where Dr. Hibbert <laughs> changes everyone into animals. Uh, it's a really good one. I like that one. Uh, anyway, uh, admittedly the lines in which Solon reflects are the uh, contempt of his peers, but it shows that someone had been doing, you know, research and reading of what to do. Uh, hybrid and hubris both come from the Greek word of crossing over, going too far. Uh, humanity in this program scheme of things means that people who look like us behave like us, uh, unless, you know, otherwise stated. Like, people, if they look like us, they act like us. Uh, you know, they don't tend to break from that. Uh, Morbius wasn't human to begin with, but a Time Lord, presumably brought up to expect a change of form. So he's like, for him it's not unnatural to be like, fuck it, uh, give me a pig arm, fuck it, if I need a body, I, anything you got, give me Doc, I'll yeah. take Hookhead Cardor. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, a little bit of more backstory on Morbius. Uh, he is essentially like, let's explain a bit about Gallifreyan society, shall we? Mm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so within Gallifrey and within Time Lords, you have your interventionists and your non-interventionists. They're kind of the two groups that you we're focusing on with this. The interventionists are the kind who are like, listen, we have this power over time and space. We should intervene in events to change things for the better. And you have non-interventionists who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? If we intervene and change time for the better... Like, who's to say that what we change is better or worse than things that are already are? What we should do instead is just maintain the web of time and maintain things the way they are. We should not try. We should not seek to change time. We should seek to keep time and protect it from change. Like, not not a, a sort of conservative way of like keep things as they exactly are. Nothing is allowed to progress. But in a sense of like. No one is allowed to fuck with time, because fucking Mm. with time can have drastic consequences. Cough, cough, time war. Um, (laughs) Cough, cough, war in heaven, if you want to get into that shit. Um, Where the entire point of that is, there's a 
a, a, a faction called the uh, the faction uh, grandfather paradox in order to like you have to go back in time and kill your grandfather in order to be allowed entry into this like cult essentially like you have to yourself become a paradox in order to join it's really fucked up weird shit but yeah so interventionist not interventionist Morbius was one of if not the most aggressively prominent interventionist his entire thing was like we are time lords we're we are the masters of time like we should take advantage of that like we should rule the universe like every like conquer it all this is ours for the taking and he was a very good speaker and a lot of people listened to him and he had a lot of followers and the time lords were like we need to do something about this because he is possibly going to destroy the universe going about this way uh and so uh yes that's how we lead into here uh we've the time lords have uh, pushed the Doctor's TARDIS in this direction towards this time and this place because they're like, ah, oh, shit, he's coming back, isn't he? Uh, we'll send the Doctor to deal with him. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, but yes, that's Morbius. Morbius is a character who I like when he isn't actually there. <laughs> I prefer that he's the kind of character where I like the after effects of the character rather than, you know, interacting with the character themselves. Uh, but yeah, it, it, this is sort of fascinating to me to think about, like, this era of, like, body horror and the horrors of, like, transplants and, like, is it still you if your heart is someone else's heart? Like, mm. is that still you? Like, that sort of thing is a little bit more prominent in these minds. And it's the sort of, like, what is the self? Like, what is my identity? Whereas, like, you go back to the 60s with things like the faceless ones, where, like, it's more about identity as a whole of, like, what is a person? Who am I? Like, how does someone steal my identity? Like, can someone, like, just, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like, 60s style, like, Soviet sort of uh, fear of, like, anyone could be anything, and, like, someone could steal my place, steal me. Whereas this is more uh, medical and more uh, zooming in more of, like, okay... I am me, obviously, but what makes up me? Mm. <laughs> like, that sort of thing. So it's like changing of the times, in a sense. Uh, but that's that's where this comes from. Uh, it's also worth noting as well that the whole... Uh, uh, there's a weird line that they have in this, which makes sense because of a quote-unquote science that they're talking about, but actually makes no sense whatsoever. Of uh, They note that, like, hey, why don't we just put Morbius's brain in Sarah? And they're like, the female brain case is not big enough to contain my intellect. Mm-hmm. And it's like the sort of idea that like women's brains are uh, different shapes to male brains. And it's like, uh, that's a, a science that... Uh, it's a slippery slope. And I think it's called like anthropology. Pometry, or I, I never knew how to pronounce it, but it's like it's it's the kind of science where it's like you are one step away from eugenics. <laughs> Let's not, okay? It's not a real science. It is a. Oh, hang on. Oh, there we go. Sorry, audacity froze for a second. Uh, it, it is not a real science. It is purely a su- pseudoscience that is based on just conjecture and not not based in the the scientific re- like method at all. It's complete bullshit uh 
So don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, what 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 happens in the the final part, dear? So you remember how Sarah was blind? Yes. Yeah. Well, she, well uh, she could see again, and the first thing she sees <gasps> is the She's testicle. Blind. But now she can see the testicle. <laughs> it amazing nuts. Though it drops uh, over a candlestick, setting itself and the table on fire while Sarah runs off. Igor leaves the doctor's body and Sarah's like, bro, they put this brain on a weird testicle. And too bad the testicle just kills Frank outright and leaves. Testicle, uh, Mobius, Morbius at this point, basically. We'll just keep calling him testicle. Uh, knocks out the doctor, Call keeps attacking the fuck out of Sarah before Igor saves her. But Igor also gets killed. That sucks. Actually, Frank isn't dead. He goes and grabs a needle and a shot or something. Sarah is rested on the table. Frank now has a dart gun along with the doctor to hunt the testicle down. But he's walked his way to the fire sisters and is now chasing after them. He even kills a fire lady that the doctor found dead. So let's continue to follow him. The doctor gets attacked. Frank shoots. His needle stops it. Doctor wants to steal the brain and return it to the Time Lords. Fire sisters learn about the dead girl. Uh, Frank is dis asked to disconnect the brain and the doctor goes to talk to Sarah, who thought it was a dream. And then the doctor and Sarah are locked in a basement and Frank does repairs on the brain, basically saying fuck you to everybody. Fire girls are arguing about doing anything, all of this episode, at all, to help. And the doctor decides to <laughs> use some acid to pour on the air ducts into the lab to whatever. It hasn't really worked, even though the upstairs room is actually full of smoke. Frank dies, testicles walking around, and actually is now intelligent. So Mobius is alive, basically. All of the fire girls are now walking their way through, like, some fucking white dudes in Georgia. And he is very excited to be... Yeah, that was a deep cut there. He was excited to be alive. Listen, they're holding torches. But they just make fun oh of him God. and run around the room. So the doctor decides to have a mental wrestling game with him while we stare at some images of the doctor. But of course, the testicle short circuits during the process, and the doctor also falls over. Sarah, once again, for the millionth time, thinks the doctor is dying while the fire girls chase the testicle off a cliff. Sarah has some of the elixir left, so they give it to the doctor instead of leader lady, and she decides to die. Doctor is, of course, punched in the face by it, and we see... And we turn to the old lady dying in the fire. She just kind of dies and she's in the fire of life. I don't really, it's whatever. Anyway, don't worry about that. Because Sarah and the doctor jump into Sardis <laughs> and fuck off in like uh, uh, the shush way. No big deal. The zhuzh way. The zhuzhi. Yep. Uh, so real quick, we need to talk about it because it's kind of controversial. And it. Creates a weird point of contention within Doctor Who. What's up? So, when they're doing the mental battle, or as you called it, like, mental wrestling. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they, they called it that too. Well, when he described it to Sarah. Uh, they show images that are implied to be past incarnations of the Doctor. Uh -huh. First of all... Meta fun fact here, those images are just pictures of the production crew, uh, including the production unit manager, Robert Holmes, the script editor, Graham Harper, the production assistant, Douglas Camfield, the director, Philip Hinchcliffe, the producer, Christopher Baker, production assistant, and a few others, some, some writers, and also Christopher Barry, the director. Um, uh, 
yeah, those are the faces. Uh, they're implied to be past incarnations of the Doctor, which uh, makes no sense when you think about it in terms of, uh, okay, if these are past incarnations of the Doctor, then that means this isn't the fourth Doctor. There are people before this. And then you're like, wait a minute, they have a, a, a strict limit of 13 lives. How the hell does the Doctor regenerate more than this? So basically, uh, the rest of the show ignores that this exists and kind of is just like, eh, it's not past incarnations of the Doctor, it's, I don't know, something else. Uh, don't think about it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Hinchcliffe was not really a fan of people ignoring this because uh, he, he sort of goes on record saying in a, a, a video that he made, uh, that the original tension of the faces were to represent previous incarnations of the Doctor, but fans at the time chose to ignore this, but still pick up on the 13 incarnations limit, which comes into play a few serials later. Uh, he went on to say that no matter how many Who fans say these are mind battle faces, or past incarnations of Morbius, it doesn't matter, uh, followed by him stating that he played the Doctor. Because, uh, hmm. you know, some people have tried to rationalize it away as like, oh, uh, these are just faces that they created, or, like, these are actually Morbius's past incarnations, not the Doctor's. It's like, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, the show itself, however, decides to try and provide an actual explanation for this in the new series, and we're not talking about it here because I'm not getting into a rant about the Timeless Child. Hmm. That comes in 2023. When, well, actually, it'll probably be 2024 when we get to the Timeless Child. Um, but that... Mm, mm, yeah, they, they try to do that. So that's what that is. It's very weird, considering the rest of the show. Uh, but, yeah, that's what that is. Anyway. Yeah. What do you think of the brain of Morbius, dear? What do you think of his big, large, juicy brain? Like a five-ish. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible, but it was just kind of, eh, it's whatever. Okay, secondary question. Huh. This, I I personally think this episode, as much as I, I like it, I feel like it would have been better if it was a little bit more camp and cheesy. Like, if they went, like overboard with the whole it's literally Frankenstein kind of deal of like, you know, the the, the guy playing like Soren as Frankenstein is just like over the top evil and like maniacal laughter of like like to the point where it is just pure cheese of like I am I am the evil Frankenstein and you have like Morbius walking around like Frankenstein. I feel like it would have been far more entertaining. You mean Frankenstein's monster? Um uh, no, as Frankenstein, just walking around normally. No, as, yeah, that's Frankenstein's monster. Yes. Uh, Frankenstein's mon- monster was actually the name of the scientist. Uh, mm. I'll have you know. Oh. <laughs> the monster was named Frankenstein's monster's monster. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, know. But yeah, personally, I, I would have found it a lot more entertaining. I don't know. Especially considering mean... how campy and cheesy Doctor Who does get, especially in the 80s. Uh, it's like, oh, man. It could have been a lot better, but I still like it for what it is. It's one of those things um, that it's hard for me to imagine without it being there, which is funny because yeah. I that's literally my job, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my job is to be Frankenstein's monster, so I understand mm-hmm. it from that perspective as well. Yeah. Um, 
But that's the brain of Morbius. It is... Uh, a quick note, Morbius does come back in some other things, even though he's technically dead. Um, uh, he comes back in a novel, which I believe is meant to be a... If I remember right, it's a prequel. It stars the Fifth Doctor and and a companion or two of his. I've never read it. I've heard it's pretty good. Uh, he also comes back in an audio adventure for the Eighth Doctor... Uh, which personally I listened to, and I was like, wow, this is not that good. Um, that's weird. Uh, I, I was not a fan of the- I was a fan of the first part, because Lucy Miller is a great companion. Uh, think Donna Noble, but more vulgar. Uh, like, <laughs> more vulgar. Uh, she's great. Lucy Miller's great. Um, but the second episode of it is just- weirdly rushes around things, and the episode just feels so weirdly dumb. Also, the consequences of it, I'm like, really? Okay, whatever. Um, but, he comes back in that, in, and it's like, okay, give us... It's, yeah. Morbius is more interesting when it's like the threat of Morbius, rather than Morbius himself. Like, I, I find the actual character of Morbius to be less interesting than those that are influenced by him. That's far more interesting to me. Well, the Sisterhood of Khan are great. They come back uh, quite a bit and are uh, staples of the lore. They are essentially like... We kind of glossed over them, but they are like equals to the Time Lords in a sense. Uh, they do... They, they, they sort of, instead of the, the Time Lords going to more science, the Sisterhood of Khan are more mystical, and it's kind of portrayed that way. Mm -hmm. Like with the Doctor saying like, oh, the problem with your fire is just that there's like a blockage in the pipe, and they're like, no, it's magic! And he's like, just give me a fucking two, like, give me like a, 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 a an iron pipe, and I can just like fucking poke the the steam out, uh, essentially. Uh, and yeah, that's that's their shtick. Uh, they do come back, and they're they're kind of a thing, but they they're very separate. But we're we're getting little glimpses here of of lore and shit, hmm. of of universes and and people in it and stuff. We get a lot more in a few more episodes' time, but this is where stuff starts ramping up with the world building. Um, but that's the it for this episode. Uh, okay, dear. Yeah. Next episode is four words long. Mm. The Blank of Doom. Rise. The Rise of Doom? Mm-hmm. No. We it's are... a noun. We did seeds, right? Already? No, that's what it is. <laughs> the one we did prior was the Seeds of Death. God. This is the Seeds of Doom. God damn I constantly it. mix the two up, because why the fuck would you have two episodes <sighs> named very similarly? And then you realize, oh, they were made ten years apart, so I, I guess it kind of makes shit. sense. But it's 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 dumb. It doesn't have ice warriors in it though. Okay, I'll so, give it a pass. Don't now. worry. Instead, it has an environmental messaging. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> instead it has environmental messaging. Although not really, kind of. It's it's audio sequel has more of an environmental message to it, but uh, there is some behind the scenes drama. Of it, mm. where the director 
uh, absolutely kind of stormed off after the filming this and was like, I'm not fucking working on this show ever again. Yeah. Because uh, uh, he and Tom Baker did not get along. We'll get to at that. At all. We'll get to that. Uh, Tom Baker is kind of hard to work with. We'll anyway, get to that. But that's, that's the next episode. The Seeds of Doom. Wait, Doom or Death? Doom. Seeds <laughs> of Doom. I already fucking mixed it up again. The Seeds of Doom. Uh, Good luck. 